Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a football Friday. The Panthers and the Bucks And Rick, suit up, man. The Bucks need you to play on this, uh, on this Sunday because they're running out of players. Hey, everybody. It's Tom Jones, Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times. This is the Rick and Tom Podcast. Along with our producer, Steve Versnick. Rick, every time I look up, another guy goes on the IR. Are the Bucs going to have any players left to, to play in Sunday's game? Well, they'll have some. They won't be good, but they'll have some. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like they, they got seven guys that are on the IR that started for this team at the beginning of the year and, and up until this week. I mean, five guys, Tom, went on the inter- injury reserve list. Now, I don't get too crazy about these things now because, frankly, if you got an injury, it's going to take more than two weeks. Well, sorry, yeah, right. they're not going to play in the postseason. Yeah. So, um, what that that's what this means. You know, O.J. Howard, could he have come back and played? I mean, I almost started the press conference today by saying, hey, Dirk, um, in three weeks, if you had been in the playoffs, could O.J. Howard have played? Right. But I right. thought that would be particularly cruel to say that. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, – look, they're, they're playing a Carolina team that gave up three points to them at Raymond James um, many, many weeks ago, and – you know, now they're going to go to Carolina, who absolutely thinks they can win this division and has every chance of doing so. Um, and, you know, you're not going to have O.J. Howard. You may not have Deshaun Jackson. Uh, we don't know about McCoy and Levante David yet. Vernon Hargraves is on is on the disabled list. Um, Darius Glanton, who is backing hey, let me, up let Levante. Me stop you so real, let me stop you real quick on Vernon Hargraves. And let me ask you about that. Kevin, uh, Greg Allman wrote a story about Vernon Hargraves. Uh, because we're on it right now, we're... Where would you put Vernon? Is there a real concern about Vernon Hargraves and his future? As a, I mean, he took a real step back, I thought, in 2017. Yeah, I think uh, there is a concern. But I, I for whatever reason, um, and they may just be, you know, looking for good sound bites, but, but the coaching staff is still very high on him. Um, you know, he got hurt. I mean, he had a really bad start to the season. And I think, uh, uh, you know, you remember last year, um, had a bad first half, had an okay second half. But at the end of the day, he's played, you know, the better part of two seasons. He has one interception. And the, the biggest reason they liked Vernon Hargraves was he was known as a ball hawk, if you can believe that, at Florida. He was, and, yeah. And so, you know, uh, they, they, they even took away his starting position. They moved him inside uh, as a nickel where he was – they thought he played really, really well, and they thought he was better suited to do that. But they're not giving up. I asked Mike Smith. Um, you know, does this mean that, um, you know, his days of being a starting corner and playing outside uh, were over? And he said, oh, no, not at all. Um, he said, you know, he's got he's got some things to learn. It's, uh, you know, but he has the makeup. He has a short memory, all those things. But, you know, uh, he got – I go back to that Minnesota game, Tom. Me and you were there, and, and you know, Grimes didn't play, and, and they attacked Ryan, Ryan Smith, but they really went after Vernon too, and he gave up some balls over his head. And after that, it just seemed like, you know, he wasn't – he was kind of shell-shocked. He didn't bounce back from it very well. But Vernon, Vernon's a confident guy. I mean, yeah, whether, he <laughs> whether he's whistling past the graveyard or not, like, you know, we talked to him, and he was like, look, I had 
I had a bad year. I had some bad games. If you play in this league long enough, you're going to have bad games. And I, and I had some bad ones. So um, I'll bounce back. You know, I got to get healthy. That's the number one thing. He tried to get that hamstring in shape. He really worked hard at it. And it just wasn't happening, so they had to put him on IR. The thing was, Rick, they, they moved him inside sort of as a, uh, a slot, you know, almost like a nickel cornerback. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't draft guys high in the draft to, to make them nope. nickel cornerbacks. You draft nope. them to be shut down guys, you know. Now, yeah. it's not, it doesn't mean he can't have value as a sort of a nickel cornerback. We saw at the end of his career, Rondé played that position and played mm-hmm. it pretty well. But you, I mean, the anticipation when they drafted Vernon Hargraves was that he was going to be a guy that would would go up against Julio Jones uh, a lot of days or go up against uh, an Antonio Bryant if he ever played the Steelers. They'd go up, match him one-on-one with the other team's best player. And I'm not sure he's, it's it's too early, but after his rookie year, I thought he had a pretty good rookie year it's this you this season that that he's taking a step back, which, man, like I said, I, I'd be a little well, concerned. You make point. you know you you mentioned um, Rondé, and I just remember this. So Rondé, I think, was a third round pick. I want to say yes. Um, his rookie year, and and I've done this a while. He may have been the worst corner I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I've told him that. I I mean, no, I, he, I, that's that story's gone around. Yeah, that guy uh, absolutely could not play. And I was convinced he couldn't play. And I think they started him one game against Seattle, and he got absolutely d- destroyed. And they didn't play him again. Um, and then they had a couple of injuries, and they got to the postseason against Green Bay, at Green Bay of all things. And Herm Edwards, they had an injury or something. Herm, Herm Edwards, we're going to start him. Yeah, you got to go play. You got to go play. You know, and he did, and he went, and he played okay. And from then on, he had a, you know, damn near Hall of Fame career. I mean, he's probably – has a chance to be a finalist. He's a top 25 guy. So um, you don't know. I mean, that's one of those positions, corner in the National Football League, where not everybody just lights it up as a rookie or the first two years. Um, but then they settle in, and, you know, they wind up being pretty good players. Speaking of pretty good players, Rick, how will we look back, do you think, in Judge O.J. Howard's season? He was a tight end that uh, obviously the Bucks did not expect him to be available when they picked with uh, – what was it, 19th pick, right, in the draft last year. A lot of people mm-hmm. thought he'd be a top 10 guy. Slipped to number 19, not anything because of O.J. Howard, just, just the way the draft sort of sort of tumbled. But um, I don't know that he put up the type of numbers that everybody thought he would put up this year in terms really? of, of quanti- like the quantity of catches. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. There are probably some people out there who thought he might have been like a 50-catch type of guy. He didn't get anywhere near that. But, well, I thought he was a pretty productive player. I, they're, they should be very happy, ecstatic at the player they have in O.J. Howard. Yeah, and I, I thought he played really, really well. I mean, you know, you remember he was asked to do everything. He was asked to be their, their in-line blocking tight end. You know, he, he knocked Luke Stocker out of Tampa Bay. Um, he kept Cam Braid off the field except in passing downs. And his six touchdown receptions are the most by a rookie um, at that position ever for Tampa Bay. And it ties – the most by any rookie tight end, you know. He also year. led the league, by the way, led the entire NFL in catches where people had no idea that he was on the field. That's have you ever true. seen? Have you ever seen a guy make he as many that, catches? Yeah. The other team was like, "Oh, wait a minute, somebody, who's covering that guy?" Yeah, he has that fantastic four invisible quality where he just kind of like <laughs> disappears and then reappears. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I look, he he is, you know, that that hit that was borderline sort of dirty 
um, on his ankle as he's crossing the pylon. Although I understand well, why I didn't think it was that bad. Well, I thought the guy I mean, was just trying to make a play. Yeah, no? maybe. I don't know. But anyway, um, he scored. So that knocks him out of the last two games, which is unfortunate because right. you know he he could have put up some more numbers. But yeah, I think they're going to look back. Look, this guy could play because of his character, right? And I don't know. You know, he missed two games, so I don't know that he's going to be an injury deal or not. But because of his character, and you look at the size of this guy and the speed of this guy, I'm telling you, he could play. 10 years and end up on the ring of honor with, you know, God knows how many touchdowns. I mean, six as a rookie, but it's going to go up from there. I think. Well, as it turns out, Ricky ended up with 26 catches for 432 yards. So he would end up having easily a 500 yard season. Mm -hmm. If he had played these last two games, talk about his size, Rick. And it's one of those guys where you stand next to him. All these guys, all these guys are big. I mean, you stand next to Joe McCoy, Joe McCoy is a big man. And you stand next to, uh, you know, some of the offensive line. Donovan Smith is a big man. Yeah, yeah. O.J. Howard is a giant. He's, oh, he's six, he's six yeah. foot six. He weighs, what, 250 pounds? Yeah, which is just it's ridiculous. And to be as athletic and, and to be able to run at, as well as he does and to have hands uh, yeah. at that size. Uh, he's, and he's really, he's been, he was a good blocker and, a, and a, uh, just, a, just a quality person, too. Oh, he's a fantastic I, guy. He's, he's uh, and it's not like, you know, it's 251 pounds stuffed in a potato sack. This guy is first team all Michelangelo. I mean, he is he is chiseled. You know what I'm saying? Like he is, um, just worked. You know, you can tell he spent a lot of time in the weight room in Alabama. Um, you know, and has the makeup, has has the toughness, sort of. You know, and there's just not. Look, you can go look around the league. We're gonna, you know, the Bucks are gonna play Greg Olson, right? Um against Carolina this this week, and Greg Olson is back. And right. Greg doesn't run very well. Like, Greg's not a fast guy, but he's a big body. But he can he can, he can kind of, you know, he's not a tremendous blocker, but he can inline if he has to. Really good receiver, though. Great hands. You know, borderline Hall of Famer, right? Um, sure. But I'm telling you, O.J. can do things Greg Olson can't do. Like, O.J. Howard has a bigger upside than Greg Olson ever did. So... You know, in tight ends, you get a guy like that that if he plays 10 years, I mean, that they're going to look back and say, wow, you know, I don't know what Dalvin Cook's going to be because I think that's who they would have taken. I mean, you got the torn ACL in Minnesota. But I, I really, in this whole draft class, Tom, I mean, you know, we talk about what's going to happen to the Bucs and what's going to happen to, to Dirk Cutter and what about Jason Light. You know what? Jason Light may have saved his job back in April. Well, I was getting ready to ask you, too, about Justin Evans, too. Class. I mean, Justin yes, Evans is the guy Justin that, Evans that also is, is a nice player. That that had three interceptions, had all kinds of range, confident kid. He made mistakes, made a lot of mistakes. But you know what? If you're going to play a rookie back in the back end like that, you're going to have some. Um, but he sure he sure, you know, filled their expectations. And um, you take him, you take you know, you take OJ, um, you know, uh, Chris Godwin. Draft, Chris Godwin is going to be. You know, we're going to see more of him these last two weeks because I don't know that Deshaun Jackson is going to make it back and play a whole lot. Um, so this draft Kendall, class. Kendall Beckwith. Yeah, we forgot Kendall. Yeah. Anthony Auclair, who was, you know, he's been Auclair service- was an undrafted free agent. Serviceable, yeah. yeah. I mean, Another this really rookie class has not, been, has not been bad at all. And that's yeah. why I think that's why I think that, like, if you're evaluating the evaluator, right, what do you what do you evaluate them on? See, I said three evaluates there in one sentence. <laughs> and, <laughs> 
That's what I mean. You evaluate a guy that evaluates player, but then you got to evaluate him. You know how you evaluate him. But I, I really do think that it comes down to can this guy identify talent? Can he draft talent? The answer is yes. I mean, he's had misses, and the whole Aguayo thing probably set him back a year because, you know, they don't have any defensive linemen and they need more depth at corner and all that. Um, but it's going to be interesting, you know, because I think uh, I think the Glazers have to consider, you know, it's, you know, not everybody has an eye for that. You know, and, and it's not just Jason. It's like they have – look, John Spytek is a pretty damn good, you know, personnel guy. And, you know um, – you have to look at his at his scouting staff and realize, and I'm not saying all those guys have to be fired if Jason is, but Jason put those guys together, and I think they're doing a decent job. The uh, the other guy whose job is uh, is up in the air right now, Dirk Cutter, Rick, and and they'll go into Sunday's game. I'm curious to see how they play, particularly offensively. I'm curious to see if Jameis Winston can follow up the performance that he had last Sunday, which I would argue is as good a game as he's ever played, he's played in played. National Football League. Um, and I think Jay, I think I think Dirk's had a lot to do with that. I think Dirk, he thought he called a good game. I think Dirk's called good games this season, uh, but ultimately it's going to be his record, the the team's record. I don't expect them to win in Carolina this weekend, but more importantly, I, I am curious to see how how Jameis plays, and uh, you know even without a couple of the weapons, OJ Howard, without Deshaun Jackson, probably it's a uh, it's an offense that still can be productive without those guys. And if Jameis cannot turn the football over, but it's a totally different offense with the, when he can protect the football. Well, and sometimes he turns it over because he feels like he has to make all the plays. And when you don't have a running game, that's true. Um, so, you know, they, they have to run the football. And they're going to have to run it up there against Carolina. Look, this is a really, really good defense. And, you know, I was talking to Dirk about Luke Keekley and, and, you know, Luke Keekley may may be the smartest Mike linebacker in football. What I mean by that is, you know, Dirk was saying, and you see this on TV all the time, but Dirk was saying, he says, this guy literally would know our checks and call the plays out that we were running as we were running them. <laughs> and he goes, the problem is, is that he has to alert all 11 guys, and if 10 of, if, you know, like if, if, well, if nine of the other guys get it and one doesn't, you could still win, right? Because it only takes one guy to be out of position. But... You know they they have to change up their calls during the game. Um, you know they have to change up their hands. I mean it's just he's he's that kind of a gym rat guy, and so you know it's going to be really really hard against this defense. This defense of Carolina's has a great front seven, great front seven, and so you know. I, but you're right. I think if Jameis if Jameis plays anywhere near the kind of football he did um, on Monday night and does that for two more weeks. I had somebody, let me just say this, and I won't say, I can't say who it is. Okay. Uh, nor would I ever. But I had somebody in the Bucks organization when I was, you know, sort of trying to, you know, take the pulse over there like I do every day. Right. Um, try to take the temperature. And you could do that when Greg Shiano was there because it was always 68 degrees. <laughs> uh, but um, it's harder now. So uh, I had somebody say, there's a lot of football left. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And, I, and I've been trying to, that's kind of stuck in my head a little bit. Because it really isn't. There's like eight quarters of football left. But what it says to me is we don't, the whole picture isn't, you know, the whole script isn't written yet. That, no. you know, that there's still more, more of a tell here in these last two weeks. And, and maybe that's winning. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just, you know, how you play and how the quarterback plays. And now that he's healthier and, you know, can you see this next year getting better? And, you know, look, I, I can make a very strong case and will. Uh, in the paper for for all four scenarios. I mean, they, you know, do nothing. Keep Jason and keep Dirk. You know, uh, fire Dirk and keep Jason. You know, um, fire them both. Right. You know, fire Jason and keep Dirk, which is probably the most unlikely. But um, you know, it's still possible um, that they're gonna let they're gonna really let this thing play out and then evaluate it. Now, I'm not naive to think that it's, that you know that it's not leaning heavily one way or the other because, you know, like we've talked about, four wins is four wins. And if you do not win a game these next two weeks, you will have lost seven in a row. Your quarterback will have lost nine starts in a row and you'd be 0-6 in the division. That's how you start the conversation, the yeah, right. but conversation. Um, so that's a lot of evidence against against the, uh, you know, the plaintiff here. But uh, I still... I still think, you know, there's a big that was a big step on Monday night football. I think I think that can start to change perceptions if if you keep doing it. I agree all along that they've probably been leaning one way or the other the last three weeks or so, and, and maybe they shouldn't let these last three or four games change anything. But I don't know how you can look at that game on Monday night and not stop for a second. If you're thinking about if you're thinking about blowing people out, if you're thinking about firing somebody, I don't know how you and look, let's just cut to the chase. We're talking about Dirk Cutter. If if they were th- thinking about firing Dirk Cutter all along here, and that game Monday night, I don't know how you don't stop, Rick, and just for a second and say, okay, maybe we should take a little longer. Let's reevaluate. Let's look at it a little bit harder because that's what it's supposed to look like. It looked pretty good. Bottom line is they didn't win, and as you point out, Rick, they scored 21 points, which isn't With the enough. quarterback playing as well as he could play, and that's, right. that's going to be the damning evidence. But now I, you say that, and you wrote about this too after the game, um, they did, and, and hey, the, you are what you are, right? We're, we're it's right. the bottom line business, and they scored twenty one and lost, but they had a fumble on the five yard line. You know, um, they missed the field goal, which was a long field goal, but nonetheless, they missed it. They had a referee slip on his ass, you know, right. and drop the ball, and maybe they would have had another play to make the field goal. Um, but the point is, you know, um, they did a lot of good things and they have been doing a lot of good things on offense. And that's the way it's supposed to look when your quarterback plays. And and by the way, that's the way that quarterback is supposed to look um, as the number one pick in his third year. You know, I talked to Ron Rivera and, you know, Ron's one of these guys that was six and 10 his first year. And he had a number one overall pick and it was a quarterback. It's Cam Newton. And right. Cam's a different kind of quarterback. He's freakish. He's, he's, he's not, you know, when he came in, he wasn't a great thrower of the football. He didn't do a lot from the pocket, but man, what a unique weapon, right? So he, he goes six and ten. Then they go seven and nine. And at one point, um, 
you know, they had lost, I think he was, I think Ron was like one in 15 in one score games. He was, you know, <clears throat> not so much riverboat Ron back then. He was more conservative, but he has sat down with Jerry Richardson after that third season. And I talked to Ron about this and, and he said, you know, that third season was going to be the one because our defense knew what they were doing. Cause they, they'd been through it two years in a row. They were playing faster. We kind of liked where our offensive line was. We felt we could protect the quarterback. You know, we needed to add some pieces around him, you know, to, to make him a better thrower and, and get some, you know, they got Kelvin Benjamin and other people. But Ron went in there with a plan. And Ron more or less convinced Jerry that, you know what, uh, if you give me a third year, you know, this we're ready to take off. Like this thing is, you know, yeah, we're not, we're not complete yet. We're not whole. Um, but he said, you know, a lot of a lot of owners would have fired him. I mean, without question, they would have fired him. You got the number one pick. You have two losing seasons. You're just not the guy. You're just Ron. You're just not the guy. They stuck with him, and he won three straight division titles. So, you know, and went to a Super Bowl. So, you know, it's sometimes the best decision is to not make a new decision, not not to make a change. Um, and in that case, it worked out. I don't know. Whoever comes in here next year, right, is going to be a benefactor of what the what the Bucks will have to do. It doesn't matter who the GM is or who the coach. They have to get a defensive line. They have to find pass rushers. They have to. They have to find a way to run the football, whether that's an elite running back or investing in the offensive line. You have to run the football to protect your quarterback. You have to do it uh, to close out games. And they're going to do that whether Dirk Cutter's the coach or Jason Light's the GM. So if you're going to do that anyway, right, mm -hmm. and you kept everything the same, the same defensive system and the same offensive system with the weapons, now O.J. Howard's a year older, now, you know, um, you know, guys that, you, you know, Deshaun Jackson's been here a year, and so maybe him and Jameis get a little more on the same page. Maybe you don't have the injury to the quarterback. Um, we don't know what his status is going to be suspension-wise, and that's, that's a whole other conversation. But if you did that, are we, are we to think – that Dirk is incapable of figuring this out or that Mike Smith can't win games. I mean, Mike Smith won games as a head coach in Atlanta for years and years. Um, he didn't go over the hump. I mean, he was a little like Tony Dungy in that respect. Um, but he he knows what it looks like. So, I I mean, I can make the argument. I don't know that the Glazers buy it. And you're right. They may have all the evidence they need. But it was interesting that somebody said to me, there's a lot of football left. Right, because that would indicate that that there's there may be a decision decisions haven't been made, been made haven't That's been right. made, and something can happen in the next two weeks. And I want to hit on a couple of other games in the NFL before we, uh, be, you know, before that though, Rick, let's let's give our predictions for the Bucks game. I, I end up having it not close ultimately because I think there gets to be a point in this game where it means so much more to Carolina. Although I could have said the same thing about the Monday night game against Atlanta. I picked Carolina to win this game. I think I think I picked them 31-14 for our paper. I it's not going to it's not ultimately it's not going to be a close game. They and Jameis will turn the football over. This Carolina defense I like it a little bit better than I like Atlanta's defense, so I don't anticipate the Bucks having quite as much success offensively. So, I'm going 31-14, I think. Carolina. Yeah, I'm right around there. I think I, I don't know the exact score. I might have had it like 30 to 20, but it's a it's a two-score game. Um it may rain. I don't know if that helps or hurts the Bucks. It's, it's supposed to be kind of dicey weather up there. But um, look, in the end, the defense is really, really good. And and offensively, 
Cam is running the football again. He Cam feels good again, and his shoulders healthy, and he's got Greg Olson, and Greg Olson has destroyed these guys. So I, I think it's it's you know they're 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 in it to win everything, and and they're playing really really well. So uh, I think the Bucks will have a, a big uphill battle. Let me ask you about the Falcons and the Saints because they play this weekend, and let me extend that conversation to say who would who would you least like to play in the playoffs? The Falcons, the Saints. Or the Panthers, because all three have a really good shot at making the playoffs. Where am I playing the game? Uh, so, so that's that. I mean, that's the key right there. I think it is the, the key. Yeah. So if you're playing, see, Atlanta doesn't scare me anywhere. Uh, at Atlanta, at on the road, at home, doesn't matter. The team me, that I would want to avoid is, hand, go ahead. is New Orleans. New Orleans is the team I don't want any yeah. parts of. And yeah. I, they'll they'll beat Atlanta this weekend. I think they uh, that game is in Atlanta. It's in New Orleans. It's in New Orleans. Yeah, they're going to win, um, and I and that's why I asked you where they play because New Orleans is a very, very, very good team at home. Um, not as good on the road. I mean, Drew Brees has never been as good on the road, but that's maybe not unique to Drew Brees. Um, but at, in that dome, you know, that offense with Alvin Kamara, and, and you know, they they've just been they've been dynamic, and I I think they're I think they're really really good, and I think Atlanta. Even like Atlanta's had this sort of season where they're pretty much mirroring a little bit what they did, you know, like a year ago, if they were to continue to win. But um, Atlanta, in the same game, can be two different teams. Like in the same game, they can <laughs> they can be great running the ball and throwing the ball, and then all of a sudden it's like you look up and they're like, wait a minute, they were up two scores and it's a dogfight. Like how did this happen? Well, there was a couple picks here, and then there was a fumble on the goal line there. That's who Atlanta is. Atlanta, I saw, Atlanta. but I, there was a buddy of mine who's who I follow on Twitter. Our old buddy Barrett Saleh, who you yeah. covers college football, he's a he's a big Falcons fan. He's from Atlanta, and so I follow him on Twitter. And I was following him on Monday night, and right after Mike Evans caught the long touchdown pass to cut this to a back to a one score game, he said, "Here we go. The Falcons are falconing. This is what they do. That is and, what they do, yeah. and they do it within the same game every week. It's incredible. So I don't think you can live like that, right?" And which is why you would so in handicapping this thing, Saints would be the team to, to, that you'd least like to play. Particularly yeah, because if you have to play I mean in Atlanta, I think there was a stat too. Like they've been in ten one one score games, ten, and they're wow. six and four. But they've been in ten of them, so every game comes down to that. I I think uh, now, you know, New Orleans at home, I I like a lot better than New Orleans on the road. I like Carolina, any place. I think Carolina. I think when you get the only thing that bothers me about Carolina is they don't really have a true running game, but Cam took them from a team that was rushing for 95 yards a game to 140. So if Cam's going to – if they're going to call runs for him and he's healthy, okay, then that changes everything. But they don't have – you know, Jonathan Stewart, they don't have that guy, you know, right. um, that's any good anymore. And, and McCaffrey is sort of this joker player that they move all over the place. He's a weapon. But he's not going to run for yeah, 100 he's not yards. Gonna, yeah, he's not going to carry the ball. So they don't 20, have that pounder times. where they can just you know hand it off 25 times to somebody. Right. But Cam is Cam, and their defense is really, really good. One other game, Rick. It's a loser leaves uh, town type of game. Uh, Seahawks-Cowboys. I I expected the Cowboys to take a, a step back. That's one of the few predictions that I've, <laughs> I've gotten right in this football season, and that was I, I said that the Cowboys were going to take a step back this season. Now they get Zeke back for this game. Um, and the Seahawks are starting to rebound just a little bit. 
Um, Not last who, week. They got well, destroyed that's, by that's Jackson. That's true. They, that's right. The, the Rams destroyed them. Before, the Legion um, of Boom is done. It was, it was before that in the, uh, in the in the Philly game. Actually, they lost that game. At home, I, they beat Philly. Yeah, so yeah. Seattle's a team that, you know, with Richard Sherman being out and some of the guys that they've lost to, to injury, I can understand there's some infighting going on there. But they're going to find a way to beat the Cowboys. I don't like the Cowboys at all. And I don't understand how Jason Garrett still has a job. And the I think the Cowboys need to figure out who they are. And well, they knew who they were, and then um, you know the running back uh, went crazy and got suspended. So, um, look, uh, have you seen? By the way, have you seen that guy's body? What he spent a lot of time running on the beach and eating right. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, he is ripped. He's he looks like shredded. a different human being. Yeah, he was kind of the mar- you know the Stay Puft Marshmallow guy a little bit, but now, um, and he's motivated. And Zeke Zeke's going to run crazy. He's going to run angry. And and they're they're going to be the Cowboys again. They really can they are. scare you, can they scare you in the play? Do they scare you in the playoffs? Oh, if they get there, sure. Yeah, if they were to get there, yeah. It's I don't be, think they're still. I don't some think their do defense there. is great. I mean, but it was, never was. But when you can run, if you can control the ball the way they did, and and Dak can play action off of it, and it's not all on his shoulders. Yeah, man. Uh, I I in this game, I like the Cowboys. I think I think Seattle's just sort of infighting and hurt and beat up, and you get guys. Players arguing with each other, and, and they're just. I think that su- window is shut on the Legion of Boom. There was a suggestion defense. that maybe it's time for Pete Carroll to move on. You buying, buying or selling? No, that. I don't think. Look, I don't. I mean, Pete Carroll is a hundred years old. I mean, he's the oldest coach in the NFL. It but doesn't he looks seem like, like it. He but, looks like yeah. he's fifty. Yeah, and I, I don't think. I don't think it's Pete Carroll's fault. I just think that NFL teams, uh, particularly ones that are led by a defense like theirs, I mean, for years and years, how good was the Bucks defense? It was really, really yeah. good. Tremendous. And they won a Super Bowl, and they should have won two or three more, but then you know what happened? Boom, they all got old at once. Right. And that's where the Seahawks are right now. You know, I love Michael Bennett, but his best years, I don't, you know, you know, um, Sherman's been hurt. Earl Thomas has been in and out. You've had, you know, all these guys. Um, Wagner, I mean, they're, they're, they're getting up there, and they can't, you know, and, and Russell Wilson is all they have on offense is Russell Wilson. They can't run the ball. He, he doesn't have a good offensive line. So I just think that they have to reload that thing. I don't think it's Pete's fault. I don't think Pete's done anything wrong. Um, but, you know, um, whether he'll be the guy to do the rebuild or not, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Well, we're coming up on Christmas. Rick and I will both be working. We'll be working on Christmas Eve. We'll be in Carolina for the game between the Bucks and the Panthers. And then immediately following that game, uh, we will record a podcast to get you. And I mean uh, immediately. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, we'll get you. You might hear on, the final whistle. When we're we'll get you caught podcast. up on everything that happened, and uh, and that'll be um, that'll be next week from uh, from Carolina. So, thanks for listening, everybody. You can check us out on iTunes. Subscribe to us there or on Google Play. You can also find us on Twitter at Rick Tom Podcast at NFL Strad at Tom W Jones. Thanks to our producer Steve Verstick. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy some football. And we'll talk to you Sunday night. We'll record it from uh, from Carolina. Take care, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 